This is WJR's Business Biography. Now here's your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Our featured story today on Business Biography demonstrates the power of changing lives when a deep passion and appreciation for a given product or service intersects with an entrepreneurial spirit, a power that can lead to the launch of a business, as is the case with Iron Fish Distillery based in Thompsonville, Michigan, in rural Springdale Township in Manistee County. Ironfish was founded in 2016 by two sisters and two brothers-in-law, Richard Anderson and his wife, Sarah, along with Sarah's sister, Heidi Bulger, and her husband, David Wallace. Ironfish is Michigan's first such farm distillery growing grain and distilling spirits, now attracting over 125,000 guests annually to the once-abandoned 120-acre farm that is now home to Ironfish. Every step of the Ironfish soil-to-spirit process occurs on-site, starting in the farm's fields where the distillery grows and harvests its own grain. All of the milling, mashing, fermenting, distilling, and barrel aging is on full display for visitors to see, and the tasting room on-site offers whiskey lovers a first taste of the amazing product that Ironfish produces. Join us today for the story behind the genesis and growth of Ironfish Distillery as told by one of its founders and leaders, Richard Anderson. Richard, welcome. Tell us about your business, Ironfish Distillery. You bet. Well, Ironfish is Michigan's first farm distillery. That means that we're controlling every part of the process of creating craft spirits from growing the grain all the way to milling, mashing, fermenting, distilling, and then also we're a pretty big whiskey operation. So we have uh, three rickhouses that have a library of close to 3,000 barrels of whiskey that are aging at the distillery. We're on a, I'd call it a, a centennial farm, really. It was founded in 1887. It was a two-generation farm. We're not, we're not related to the, the family that founded the farm. And Sadly, the second generation had no children. So like a lot of Michigan farms that have been abandoned and are disappearing, the story almost disappeared on this farm, except for my brother-in-law and sister-in-law purchased it without any idea of what to do with it. And so the story begins with the purchase of a farm in northern Michigan. Was there a plan with what was going to be done with that farm? Were you looking forward specifically to building a distillery on the property? It's so funny because people come to Ironfish and they go, you were so smart for building it here, you know, because so many people arrive and we go, no, 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 no. My brother-in-law actually had a place on the Betsy River nearby and this road was the shortest way to get to his property and the farm, after the second generation passed away, the farm became available and he purchased it without any idea of what to do with it. So he actually held it for a few years before the idea happened. And who are the other family members as partners in this business? So Ironfish is owned by two sisters and their brother-in-laws. And so this family, there are no investors. It's uh, just the four of us. We all had successful careers. Completely, we're not planning on doing this. This was a major pivot. A lot of unrelated decisions came together that caused us to decide to do this. We actually want to hear about those, you know. I bet. And... It kind of becomes astonishing to people when they hear this because who does this heading into retirement, right? So it's been a lot of fun. So today we are by volume 
seven years later, after attracting about 150,000 people annually every year to Ironfish, sees all year round. By volume, we are the second largest craft distillery in Michigan. That's amazing. And it's somewhat, if you will, accidental, right? Well, like lots of things, you know, almost like fish imprint where their eggs were, you know, spawned not to get biological on you, but my wife and her sister's mom and aunt grew up in Beulah, which is nearby, right? So as girls, their mom and aunt grew up in the region. My sister-in-law and brother-in-law, because of that connection to that location of the state, which is just south of Crystal Mountain, just south of Traverse City, they purchased a place on the Betsy River. And the fastest way to get there would be to go down this dirt road from Saginaw, Michigan. And on this dirt road was this farm. They saw that the farm was abandoned, vandalized, and was available, and they eventually purchased the farm. Quite frankly, my brother-in-law says the reason he purchased the farm is he wanted to drive a tractor around on the weekend. Well, I get that completely. I fully understand that. It had been driven by the same kind of motives, I have to confess. And so it went from that, though, which is kind of just enjoying the property, having some fun, doing a lot of stuff that you probably either don't need to or shouldn't be doing on a tractor. There was that kind of thing going on, but at some point it took a turn and somebody must have said, hey, we could make something of this. Well, there were a couple more turns in the journey before this became a conversation. One, both of us, both brother-in-laws share quite a few passions together, but one of them that we shared quite a bit was a big interest in whiskey. Both collected it. We were very focused on the whiskeys coming out of Scotland. Those are barley whiskeys, scotch. But particularly this island off the north coast of Scotland called Isla. Well, it could have just ended there as an interest and a passion, except for in 2014. So we opened in 2016, right? We're heading to our seventh year anniversary. So in 2014, a couple of years before we opened the doors, this was not a thought, but my wife decided to throw a big birthday party for me because I was turning 60. And it was a surprise birthday party. And my present was a astounding book of the history of Scotch in Scotland. And inside the front cover was an airplane ticket to fly to Scotland to tour. And she had already arranged for the two other brother-in-laws to go along with me. So it was a prearranged surprise for me to go to Isla Scotland with my brother-in-laws without our wives. So what could go wrong, really? than three brother-in-laws going to Isla, Scotland to tour eight distilleries. Sounds innocent to me. Three brother-in-laws leave the wives home and go to drink whiskey. (laughs) Okay. And that's where, you know, the romance, but also the astounding centuries of craft become so prominent. You know, you're going into distilleries like Lagavulin and Boromir and Brulotich and some of these distilleries are 300 years old. They're almost like sanctuaries in a way. They have the soul and they have this history of generational craft. And so, of course, we're getting kind of swept up into this. But in the middle of Isla, Scotland, there's a farm distillery. And we went there for a tour and we're walking around and they hand us a dram of whiskey. And by now, we've already been on three, four days of distillery tours. We're enjoying ourselves. And... We were outside in this farm. It's about a 200-acre farm, and I started looking around, and I thought, my God, this feels just like David's farm in Michigan. I said, David, why don't we put our retirements together and turn your farm into this, to a farm distillery? 
And David looks at me and goes, that is a fantastic idea. And then my third brother-in-law, Craig, goes, yeah, you guys should do that. That's, you know, so he was kind of the protagonist, you know, you know, egging us on. And so I would say that that's really where the germ of the idea was. The purchase of a farm in northern Michigan by Richard's brother-in-law and sister-in-law and a trip to Scotland between the two brother-in-laws to experience barley whiskeys leads those two to come up with a crazy idea of starting a distillery of their own. Michigan's first. A crazy idea? Crazy good, to be sure. You're listening to the story of Iron Fish Distillery right here on Business Biography. Headed to a quick break. Back with more in a minute. Stick with us. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Slow. Welcome back to Business Biography. Today featuring the story of how a passion for barley whiskey led Richard Anderson, his family and partners to start a farm distillery of their own, now making arguably some of the best whiskey around, earning international accolades along the way. A business today that is a leader in its field, producing over 120,000 bottles a year. Based in Northern Michigan, this business is known as Ironfish Distillery. Richard, so you and your brothers-in-law head to Scotland to enjoy your passion of experiencing fine barley whiskey. And that trip leads you to owning a distillery of your own. So you go from that kind of epiphany that you had and shared with your brother-in-law. And that then led to you guys coming home from that trip and taking it further from, you know, just a moment of inspiration or a momentary thought to actually doing it. How did it all start to come together? What happened? Well, you would think that it would be that straight of a line, but actually I was kind of kidding. I was, you know, really casually fantasizing this. Right, a thing in the moment. I get exactly how that happens. Half serious, maybe, at most. And, you know, we hopped on the plane after three more days of tours, and we were imagining, you know, maybe we'd do this and getting pretty excited. But I have to admit that, on the flight home, David was sitting somewhere else on the plane. Craig was somewhere else. I'm on this, you know, the seat next to a window with just black sky, you know, heading back to Detroit, then up to Marquette. And I started thinking to myself, I thought, you know what? There's no way this is going to happen. You know, one problem is neither of us are really retired yet. Two, I'm flying to Marquette. He's flying to Saginaw. So we don't even live there. So when I got home, I gave my wife a big hug, said it was amazing, but I actually didn't say a word about the distillery because why would I? It was just the guys, you know, on a trip imagining it. So I have to admit that it left my mind for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and uh, I get a call from my brother-in-law about three weeks after the trip. And he goes, uh, hey, Richard, I think I found our still for our farm distillery. I go, what? And he goes, uh, can you be in Chicago this coming weekend? So this is like, you know, May or June of, of 2014. And he says, uh, I've made an appointment to go to Koval Distillery. By the way, I'm just going to tell people right now, if you see a bottle of Koval whiskey on the market or the liqueurs, they are a North American benchmark for top-notch craft in this country. They're the North American representatives for a German still company called Cote. And anyway, he's telling me all this and I'm going, whoa, whoa, David, wait a minute. I got, I got a problem. And he goes, well, what's that? And I said, I haven't told Sarah. 
I said, I wasn't, you know, planning on really doing this. And uh, he goes, well, tell her because uh, it's a detail. Get it, it out of the yeah, way. Get it out of the way. <laughs> right. And, uh, and let's get out with it. Let's get down there this weekend. And of course, funny, David's wife was sure this wasn't going to happen. So she didn't go. But uh, I approached Sarah. And if you ever meet her, you could tell right away that she was game. Like, OK, let's go down and see. But I had to do one of these. Hey, honey, by the way, when we were in Isla, there was a little talk about bringing David's abandoned farm back as a distillery. I wouldn't worry about that, but let's go to Chicago and see, let's see what's going on. It'd be kind of fun. And you know, you know, why not? So we did go down there. We were with other like-minded new start distilleries. We spent three days getting immersed in the industry and oriented. And David had done a lot of research on this equipment and it has won a lot of world awards. Those whiskeys coming out of it. But at the end of three days, you know, what was bothering us was that they said, by the way, is a two-year waiting list to actually have the equipment delivered. And we did leave there thinking that's a speed bump. You know, we're kind of gearing up. This would be, all right, maybe we will do this. And they go, oh, we got a two-year waiting list. So even David, I think we all three of us left there thinking this wasn't going to work. And okay, well, you know, now you'll know the end of the story. David calls me up like three days after we all get back. And he goes, hey, I just want to let you know, I put in a deposit. I go, you put in a deposit? And he goes, oh, oh no, Richard, it's not a, it's not a decision. He says, uh, we have to research this. It's going to take a year. We've got to visit distilleries. We've got to, you know, see what's going on in the community practice. And then it's going to take us a year to build the building. So I'm thinking two years is actually the right amount of time. But he says, Richard, if you don't want to do this, I promise then we won't. We'll sell the equipment to the people behind us in line and we'll make money. It's just an investment. And I go, well, well, that makes perfect sense. I go, uh, you know, it's an investment. And I said to Sarah, we have a way out of this. And he goes, that's fantastic. He says, send me 15,000. Well, you know, that's your part of the deposit. We'll get going. Well, that kind of hurt, you know. That's when things got a little more serious. But, you know, he was saying, well, it's an investment, right? You, you can't make money without putting money down. So I said, okay, I'll get this back. So uh, that's actually how it started. That's how we backed into this idea that now phenomenally, even to us, you know, the passions around the spirit and the craft of it. What was the farm before you bought it? What did they grow there? Tell us about how big it is and so on. I'm just trying to picture it. Yeah. So it's a 120 acre farm, you know, back in uh, the 1880s, Michigan was uh, homestead transferring sections of land for folks that would settle the property. This is a family called the Chamberlain family that came in and got a section of land that Southern boundary of the section of land is the Betsy River, which, by the way, we're named Ironfish, and that's a nickname for the steelhead that are in the river on the southern end of the boundary of the farm. Had a big woodland section, but 80 acres of grain fields that were feedstock for a dairy operation. So if you come to Ironfish, tour the distillery, the tour actually starts around the historic barns and the outbuildings and the old equipment that were operated by George and then his son, Victor. But I have to say that a lot of people think that moonshining happened in Kentucky or Ohio, but there's a four foot by three foot black and white photo that you'll see when you come into our tasting room of about 50, 60 stills that were confiscated by our local sheriff during prohibition from all the farms all around our area. Uh, so if you grew grain in Michigan, you probably made moonshine. 
So we say we're Michigan's first farm distillery, but it's not true. You guys knew nothing about this, really. I mean, you had a passion for whiskey, but you didn't know how to make it. You didn't let alone make it well, let right. alone compete in the marketplace and right. do it as a business, right. a for-profit business. How did it evolve from just having a wild idea and a passion for something you personally enjoyed as just a personal enjoyment, as I said? How did it go from that to you guys becoming up the curve sufficient to not only be in the business, but to really be in the business as well as you are, to be recognized as you guys have been with a unique and distinct product uh, with lots of accolades and recognition? Well, that's an amazing question. And that itself is kind of a journey. But I have to tell you, you don't sound as alarmed as our, at the time, 25-year-old son was when we sold everything out of Marquette, moved out of Marquette, moved into this old farmhouse that was restored. And there's nothing like your 25-year-old son calling you up and going, what are you doing? Like you've sold everything. You moved to the middle of nowhere. That's a kid from Marquette saying that. And dad, Uncle David's not going to make this. You're not going to make, who's going to make this? You know, and this was like four months before we opened and the equipment was already there and everything. And I'm, I'm going, you have a good point. You know, this is actually a solid point. But the truth of the matter was, you know, my brother-in-law is a veterinarian. He runs a veterinary hospital in the Saginaw area. He's got a biology and chemistry background. Had already done winemaking and home brewing. He was fascinated by it. But a high school friend of his that he stayed in contact with was a distiller out in um, the Seattle, Washington area. And so he offered to come back and help us with some of the fundamental decisions that we we're making. And, and then uh, right around the time that my son called our first distiller, was actually a farmer in the area who had a big background both in winemaking, beer making, and in distilling, and had a small local winery. And he came to our farm with a truck of rye grain. And then he goes, by the way, I made this little rye whiskey here. You should try this out. So he became our, our we said, oh, we built this for you. Come on in, you know. And he trained our current team, our lead distiller, is a big family uh, in our area, but he went to Michigan Tech in chemistry. And so I guess my answer to that is that the idea was inspiring to others who literally we provided this platform for them to express their skill and experience. And now our team is really quite sophisticated. It's uh, seven people strong. We're bottling about 120 to 140,000 bottles out of our facility every year, but we're laying down about 400 barrels of whiskey every year. And that's, we'll get into this maybe in a minute, but we're, we're just finalizing a million dollar investment to triple our production. So this is not just a passion project. This is a business. Indeed, it did become a business and a highly successful one at that. And one that has brought four family members together in the pursuit of a common goal, a common passion, a common achievement. Of making the best whiskey they can. Every step in the soil-to-spirit process occurs on-site, ending with their bottles on retailer shelves and offered in their on-site tasting room as well. You're listening to Business Biography, today featuring the story of Iron Fish Distillery as told by one of the founders, Richard Anderson. Headed to a break, stick with us to hear more of today's featured story. Welcome back 
to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Slow. Welcome back. Continuing now with our story of how a passion for experiencing the finest barley whiskey leads Richard Anderson, his wife, Sarah, along with Sarah's sister, Heidi Bolger, and her husband, David Wallace, to start a successful farm distillery of their own located in beautiful northern Michigan and known as Iron Fish Distillery. Richard, there you guys were, a happy family, no doubt, each family member kind of doing his or her own thing in various different career paths, suddenly brought together by the dream of creating a business together. Yeah, and I guess we're kind of lucky in a way. The four family members all had successful careers, been in radically different areas. so we've kind of gravitated to different parts and we were able to focus in areas of our passion. And that along with the fact that visitors from all over the area, think about this Crystal Mountain, which is we're only two miles away is the closest ski resort to Chicago, right? So even in the winter, we have a lot of people coming up and we started becoming the place to stop in. And, and so the growth of this, Sometimes we wake up every day and go, how do we feed the beast today? Sometimes in business, they say, you know, you work in it or on it, or the business controls you, you don't control it. And I have to say that the business has been kind of controlling things for the last four or five years. We're just starting to get control of it and plan its growth properly. And And I think that's common in a startup phase, Yeah, you know, for lots of businesses, there's nothing necessarily unusual there. Right. We're lucky enough to have that problem. Did you make the right decision to move forward with this business? Yeah. You know, I'm actually glad that you can't look forward, right? Malcolm Gladwell has two adages. He wrote the book, The Tipping Point. And yet, even though it's 15, 20 years old, it's amazing. He says, entrepreneurs completely underestimate the challenge in front of them. And by the time they realize it, they've got to execute and deliver because they're just too far in, right? And so the honest answer is we underestimated what we're taking on. And then we got so into it and then we were rewarded the feedback loops and the reward loops. And I'm not talking about financially because we can talk about this in a minute, but they always say the best way to make money in distilling is to start with a lot of money. And that wasn't our case. In distilling, it's a business where most of the product you're making, if you're into the brown spirits, you can't sell because you got to age it. And so a lot of your infrastructure and time and talent and people are tied up with products that won't come out for years, especially as a startup. So we had approaches around that, but yeah, it's a complex business. It's a farm. It's a manufacturing operation. It's a end destination. So it has a front of house, back of house. It has a wedding venue and a facility for large corporate events and all of that tied together in one little business. Where do you think, you know, here you were, your life was going along just fine. You were (laughs) going in one direction or maybe not thinking about going in any particular direction at this point in your life. And you had a passion for whiskey, not just for whiskey, but you so much so that you wanted to go to where the source was for some of the best in the world is made. And this is a deep passion. This is something that's really of interest to you. Right. And I'm just curious, and look how it's really, in effect, now become your life. Yeah. How do you think that happens and why? Where does that come from? I would say that in life, 
if someone really is acting on a passion, they are unilaterally agreeing to subject themselves to a learning journey, right? And the feedback loop that reinforces continuing is the positive feedback loop of doing, learning, acting, and comparing to others and going through that loop over and over and over again and finding that gratifying to the point and then joining a community of practice. So almost like the beer industry, the craft industry in Michigan is a small community of practice. And by the way, I always say that we're collaborating to compete. We're not competitors because why? 94% of the spirit market in Michigan is satisfied by national and global players. 4% market share by craft distilleries in Michigan, right? So, well, beer was that way 20 years ago. There were 15 breweries in Michigan. They had 4 or 5% market share. Now craft beer has almost a 20% market share. So if craft spirits grows the way craft beer had, it's going to have a big influence on the Michigan economy, but it's also going to have a big influence on the agricultural community because there won't be enough grain grown by farmers that the craft distillery movement. Part of the passion is also being part of changing the world. I absolutely believe in, you know, climate change, there is a bit of a, I think, an advantage to the warming climate from the standpoint that this is going to be an amazing agricultural region in the Great Lakes, and the crap beverage industry is really positioned to take advantage of that differentiation. And I can hardly wait to see or just imagine what people are going to Isle of Scotland to their 300-year-old distilleries, what Michigan will be like in the wine industry up here, craft beer, and also spirits. And if we're lucky, you'll be visiting Ironfish. That's really exciting. Actually, that's a great thought, you know, just to think of Michigan being all that. And I think I agree with you. I think it can and will be. Tell us about the breakdown of your team. You're doing business with family and other people you know and respect. That's delicate. It can be. How do you guys carve up who does what without stepping on each other's toes? Well, if you're in a family business, having an explicit discussion about that ultimately helps, especially as it relates to roles and responsibilities. In our case, when I reflect on it, we didn't really talk that much about it. We all gravitated to radically different parts of the company. So my brother-in-law, he is the chief spirit developer for Ironfish. He's the one who's in the back working with the team on innovation and the creation of spirits. He's got this chemistry and biology background. He's in the back where all the magic happens. My wife, Sarah, has been in hospitality and in workforce development. She was a long time ago, the chamber director on Mackin Island. We always joke that she's the chamber director on Zubanic Road. She's really headed up our community partnerships and collaborations statewide, as well as creating partnerships with over 20 farms that feed our culinary program and also the farming relationships and growers that we're using on the distillery side. And then my sister-in-law, we call her the chief reality officer. She was a founding member of Michigan's largest accounting firm, Raymond and came in with an accounting background. And so we know where every penny is. It distracts the heck out of me to have to focus on those kinds of things, but that's why we call it the chief reality officer. And then I've been involved in entrepreneurship and small business development all my life. I was the former founder and CEO of Michigan's first community development financial institution in the Upper Peninsula called Northern Initiatives. So I've been fascinated by this challenge that rural Michigan has is how do rural communities get control over their own futures? 
And in a way, Ironfish is a capstone project for me because we're really trying to do that in North Manistee, South Dunsey County area. So we all gravitated into different areas. And I'll tell you, that's a recipe for success in a family business. It's one thing having relationships with family members where you go to enjoy your passion, whatever it may be, and travel together and so on, to going from that to being in business together. How has that impacted the family relationships? Well, you know, I think there are consultants that work on this. I think it's a fascinating part of enterprise. All through Michigan, there are many multi-generation families that exist, and they all have their own answers to how they navigate that. And then there's, you know, issues around succession and family businesses that get worked out. And those solutions are probably as different as those families are. But I would say that pretty quickly in our case, since we were heading into retirement anyway, our solution to that is to bring on real adults to help us run the company and people with real skill. And so we've been very fortunate to be able to attract a top team to actually help us execute on all these amazing ideas that we say yes to. And then I think that's essentially how it's helped preserve time for the family to be family. A family-owned business based in rural northern Michigan, producing a product that the family has a true passion for and achieving great success with their new business, proving that dreams do come true. You're listening to the story of Iron Fish Distillery right here on Business Biography. Headed to a quick break. Back with more in a minute. Welcome back to WJR's Business Biography with your host, Jeff Sloan. Welcome back. Today's feature on Business Biography is on theme in that it is an exemplary and inspirational business success story. But for the family behind it, it's so much more. And at the heart of it all, they're now producing whiskeys at the level of quality that rivaled those that inspired them in the first place to start this business. Their business, Iron Fish Distillery, Michigan's first farm distillery. For you, is it more interesting, the kind of the agricultural and production side of this, or is it the business side, the branding, the marketing, the distribution, the advertising and marketing and so on? Well, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I've spent a career in community and small town development up in the Upper Peninsula and created a community development corporation to invest in small business. So one of the things that's been fascinating to me is the role that craft spirits, you know, Ironfish has given me a front row seat into the way in which craft spirits can actually change the fortunes of a community. You go up to uh, Elk Rapids and Bel Air and you see how Shorts Brewing has absolutely changed the direction of the community. You go to Journeyman down in Three Oaks, very close to the Chicago market, where that craft spirit distillery doing great work down there has really transformed the economy of that region. And of course, Stroves in Detroit back in the day, right? I guess the passion for me is how do we not screw this up? How do we create an enterprise that have the right values, that has the top quality? Because ultimately, people purchase products that are aligned with their values, right? It's not just great spirit, but what does the company stand for? Those are things I kind of really focus on. David, my brother-in-law, he's focusing on the spirit 
we just announced a big collaboration with Shorts to take their soft prey beer and the real fruit in soft prey beer and re-envision it as a fruit-infused vodka. And so my brother-in-law has been all over that, having a ton of fun figuring that all out. You know, it's really a romantic, rich, close to the earth, yet, you know, cool business. You got a great brand, great product. It's a product that makes people happy, you know, uh, that people love. It's such a cool way of life on the outside looking in. Yeah. What a cool way of life. Is this what you imagined it to be? How close to what you imagined it to be? And how is it different? Well, I'll tell you what, in uh, Isla, Scotland, literally, what David and I talked about when we were sitting at the Port Charlotte pub drinking rocks glasses of scotch, which by the way, the bottles there are upside down in a draft system and they take the rocks glasses and they're, you know, they're pouring out the scotch and we're sitting there after doing distillery visits. We're talking about, Oh, maybe we create a distillery at the farm. We literally thought that you would show up on a Saturday afternoon coming down our dirt road and maybe with a few friends and you come into our barn, we'd open up the barn door and there'd be a little 50 gallon still there. That's exactly what we thought we were going to do. And even that I wasn't going to say anything to Sarah about, right? You know, so that was the original idea. And we learned there that if there is a chance to grow the company, it'd be nice to have the equipment that can handle the demand from your own state. So we built it large enough and thank God we did because if we'd had to stop to grow, it wouldn't have worked very well for us. Tell me about your sense of satisfaction over the product you're producing. You're a connoisseur. You know a good one from a bad one. You probably had in your minds, at least in your, you know, you were imagining a certain level of quality with the product you wanted to produce. How close or are you there to achieving that? Well, you know, the way we look at it is uh, by segment, right? So in the clear spirit segment, we're super proud of the clear spirit segment that we've made decisions to be in. So our vodka area, our American botanical style gin is super popular in the state of Michigan. Our white rums, which have honey from bees on our property. You can make it and, and you don't have to age it. When you get into the whiskey area, every craft distillery in the United States, and there's 2,800 of them now, that decides they want to actually compete in whiskey has a major decision to make. That is, do you make it from scratch, age it, and then when do you release it? Because aging takes time, and the longer in the barrel, generally, the better. Although there can be some amazing whiskeys at years two, three, and four, you know, really six to 12, six to 18 is really the sweet spot for most whiskeys. And is that where your product is? Our product is there now. And then we made a really big decision, which was we're not releasing our own whiskey until it's that old, right? And so what we decided was every whiskey barrel that we put away, we saved and aged for five years, four years and 10 months and, you know, three weeks or something. We're just short of five years. So where most craft distilleries in the United States will release whiskeys at two and three years old, we've waited to five. And then at our 10 year anniversary, our goal is that our average age of our whiskey will be between seven and eight years old. How has your pursuit of a business associated with your passion impacted your own personal passion for the product you now make and sell as a business? It's transformative because 
the one thing that it has done is created a curiosity and a pursuit around others in the community of practice. Whereas as a consumer, I stayed in one lane. My dad was a Dewar Scotch drinker. I was a Dewar Scotch drinker, right? And stayed in that lane for a long time. My passion has, and my curiosity, there's some amazing work that's being done by craft distillers in Michigan and nationally and globally. And there's nothing more satisfying having a little insider knowledge to actually have the opportunity to get to know some of these people, but also taste their product and know that I think the Michigan industry and the national industry is on the global stage where it really wasn't, you know, 20 years ago. You know, at this stage of life, what's really driving us is we have about 40 to 45 people who are working have jobs at Ironfish. We work very hard to make sure they're family-sustaining jobs with benefits. We care about the community in which they live and work. It's an unzoned township, one of the poorest regions of the state in northern Manistee County. We have parents of our employees who said, I never thought my children would find a job in this region. But the inspirational part of it is that people with amazing skills chose to join us to help us make sure that this farm never becomes abandoned again. And that's been the thing that drives us every day. We want to become a 300-year-old distillery. We're just doing the hard work of getting it started. You've been listening to the story of the genesis and growth of one of Michigan's great entrepreneurial success stories. How a passion for whiskey led a Michigan family to start a distillery of their own, a farm distillery no less, where the entire product is made by their business on location. Now producing over 120,000 bottles a year of their prized whiskey and on their way to even bigger and better things in their future. I'm your host, Jeff Sloan. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to Business Biography on the great voice of the Great Lakes, 760 WJR.